Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at That's Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Looking for a new high-end mascara without breaking the bank? The new L'Oreal Paris Panorama Mascara gives you a high-end lash look in a premium gold luxe packaging. It's all about panoramic volume and fully fanned out lashes. With its tapered brush, the new Panorama Mascara catches every single lash, giving you the false lash look without any of the hassle. Say goodbye to clumps and flakes, because this mascara is specially formulated to resist them all day with up to 24-hour wear. And the best part? It performs better than Lux mascaras at only a fraction of the cost. You can buy Panorama Mascara on Amazon today. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Dishing with Digest. I'm Stephanie Sloan, Editorial Director, here with Mara Levinsky, Senior Editor. Hi, everyone. Well, Mara, this is the week everyone has been waiting for since the beginning of the day's time jump last November. So we are finally going to learn how Adrian died, as well as how Haley died. And there are some other surprises tucked into the week that everyone really needs to watch. So we have an interview with head writer Ron Carlovati in the new issue where he warns that it will be very tragic, but he says that there is a lot of excitement and it solves a lot of mysteries and it will be very satisfying for the audience. And we also have an interview with Judy Evans, who opens up about saying goodbye to Adrian, the role she began playing in 1986. So she admits it was pretty devastating, which is not at all surprising. Certainly not. I mean, I think the show took a big risk by killing off a legacy character like Adrian, but it was done within the context of a story that itself kind of demanded big risks, uh, the time jump. I was a big Adrian fan back in the day. Mm -hmm. I still remember being very upset with Justin for cheating on her with Angelica Devereaux. Me too. Uh, I do hope that Judy is proud of her body of work as Adrian and the place that she will hold always in Salem history because it is a big one. Oh, agreed. And there is always the possibility that she could come back as Bonnie, so I'm sure this isn't the last time we'll be seeing her. You know, I'm really excited to see this week of shows. The story will actually play out over the whole week because there's so much material for them to address. You know, it's definitely a tune-in for any Days fan. Now, our guest today is from Days. It's Camila Banis, who first joined the show in 2010, left four years later, then came back in 2015. So in the past couple of years, since Ron has been head writing the show, you know, we've really seen her character flourish. I know we named her most rejuvenated character in our 2018 Best and Worst issue, but her name was actually in the mix for 2019 because I feel as though she also had so much to do last year. Oh, 100%. Like, she seemed like a shoe-in for the most rejuvenated character until we realized, <laughs> oh, she'd won the year before. Um, so Gabby is one of those characters that really seemed to find her groove when she embraced her inner bad girl. And Camila has been such a blast to watch and has done such a good job of showing the character's heart and like thus ensuring that she's not a one-note villainess. 
It's always really rewarding as a viewer, I think, when a character proves to have so much more life in him or her than we may have expected. Mm -hmm. Like, obviously, Nancy Lee Gron um, has been a fan favorite forever and ever as GH's Alexis. But I will remember 2013 as a year that Alexis really came roaring back to life via her steamy relationship with Julian. Like, sometimes it just takes one little storyline intervention and suddenly a character is off and running again. I mean, you could definitely say that recently with Young and Restless is Tracy. Uh, not only were we happy about it, but the fans certainly were too. You know, Beth Maitland has been playing the role since 1982 and really has a passionate fan following. You know, she hadn't had a lot to do in quite a while, but the show really put her front and center in the Abbott family drama, which earned her a daytime Emmy nomination to boot. And she was a grounding force in that storyline with Dina and Ashley and Jack. You know, I love when a writer can look at the canvas and see someone who's just sort of like idling on the back burner and find a way to incorporate them into the show in a really meaningful way way. Yeah, I think it's a golden rule in soaps that fans are always going to embrace seeing a character they know in the spotlight over one they don't. But I also think it's an interesting point that you raise. Like sometimes it does seem to take a fresh eye to see a hidden story potential in someone uh, that's been overlooked by a previous writing regime or several previous previous writing regimes. It's also just like fun to see actors showing facets of their abilities that they weren't given the opportunity to show mm -hmm. when their characters undergo a big shift, like we saw with Camila when Gabby uh, began her metamorphosis. Yeah, I mean, the day's writers have not only carved out a new role for her, but wow, does the audience have feelings about it. <laughs> you know, we really haven't seen a troublemaker on the canvas like this in quite a while, and it makes Gabby so much fun to watch. You know, she isn't just being bad for the sake of being bad. There's a lot of layered plotting in her storylines. You know, GH has a, a pretty great spark plug of a bad girl of its own in Nell. Mm -hmm. um, and during her first go-round, I think Digest was pretty clear that we found her motivations for wanting to destroy Carly's life to be pretty lacking. It had to do with the fact that Nell's biological father was Carly's adoptive father and this whole business with the kidney that Nell donated uh, to Jocelyn. Uh, but it's funny, like with a few years distance, plus everything we've seen go down in Port Charles between Carly and Nell that like firmly established them as enemies. I'm pretty psyched that she has gotten sprung from Pentonville and is clearly poised to wreak havoc <laughs> all over town now that she's been revealed to be... Um, Shiloh's widow and mm -hmm. intends to stake a claim on ELQ. The whole Quartermain family, I could probably add, uh, seems to be in the throes of a revitalization with Tracy and Brooke yay. Lynn both back on the canvas. I know, such a big yay. Uh, and, a, you know, a new mansion set for them. Um, and we're seeing the building blocks of a fight for the company, not only with Nell in the mix, but with Tracy questioning Michael's ability to lead ELQ. And to say that I am here for all of that would be an understatement. <laughs> well, certainly between Nell and Gabby, there is a lot to be excited about on all fronts. So let's get Camila on the phone to talk about everything that is going on with her. Hi, Camila. Hi there. We are so excited to talk to you today. I cannot wait. I'm super excited. Thank you for having me. Well, so first of all, Mara and I were just talking about what a transition Gabby has made in the past few years and how Gabby has really driven a lot of the story um, on the show. So when did you first get an indication that Gabby would be mixing it up like this? Um, I, I wouldn't say there was an indication. It just, and it wasn't like you, as you've seen, it's been very progressive. So there wasn't really a moment that I was like, oh, okay, well, she's pretty much involved in a lot of different storylines and has her foot in, in a lot of different circumstances and situations. Um, it just kind of happened. And then when I was in it, it was kind of like, well, okay, now I'm in it. Okay. This is a lot. It's a lot of work. And that's when it mainly kicked in when I just saw the workload. Um, and, and it's been exhausting, but really fun. 
Mm-hmm. Is that something that you have to like make adjustments for in your in your life? Like when you suddenly have such a ratcheted up workload and so much more to memorize and everything that comes with it? Yeah. I mean, the adjustments just kind of happen and sometimes you have the time to make them and sometimes life just makes it for you. So things like doctor's appointments or back pain or anything like that, or any sort of normal thing in your life has to stop because you're shooting six to 10 episodes a week and there's just no time for that. There's no time for a toothache. There's no time for anything normal. Um, not even talking about like other things like the gym. I'm talking about just like real life problems that I I've been experiencing. Like I have really bad back pain, but that had to take, you know, a little bit of back burn, uh, back burner because I was working so much. That's crazy. Well, you've had a break, so hopefully you've been able to deal with it. Yeah. Yeah. The breaks are definitely help, but it's still really hard because sometimes, you know, scheduling everything in one little week or, a week and a half or whatever time we do have, um, it becomes an issue too. So it's, it's kind of, um, a weird circumstance that we do shoot, shoot year round, but we need to make it work. Mm -hmm. Well, all right, let's go back to like the very beginning of your daytime career, which was on one life to live. Um, so what stands out to you when you think back on the months that you spent as uh, Lola Montez? Wow. What, what stands out? Um, I think the biggest thing that stands out to me is just geographically speaking, I was not in a good place. Um, I'm not a New Yorker. I'm not somebody that enjoys that pace of life and the, um, the tones that come with living in that city and the energy that, that is there. So I was just not happy. Um, it was kind of like a depressing time for me emotionally, physically, And, um, that is the biggest thing that stands out. The positive thing that stands out, I would say would be, um, definitely just the time that I spent on, on ABC grounds and and, and working in the studio, um, with the actors that I got to work with, because essentially they were such a foundation for later on people that I would be working with again. And, um, just learning so many things that I needed for, for my career later on. Mm Mm-hmm. Now, had you been in New York or did you move to New York for the role? I had been to New York maybe once. It was on a field trip for the fifth grade. And I was, you know, it was like a three-day thing. And they showed us million things in three days. And I was just like, wow, this is such a cool place. But I never thought of living there. And, you know, there's some kids that that grow up and they're like, oh, my God, I love New York. I, I want to visit that. I wasn't even that. You know, I... For me, I knew that that's just just a different type of life, and I loved living in Florida. And but I knew that that the industry wasn't in Florida, so I knew at some point I would have to make a move. And I never hoped it would be New York; it just kind of did. And um, when I submitted my tape to One Life to Live, and they they mentioned that I would be moving there, um, it was kind of a, a smack to my face. I was kind of like, "Wait, what? Wait, no! I don't kind of want to go there. Can I pick a different place?" <laughs> And, uh, and I couldn't and, um, and it was hard, but life is hard and changes are hard and growing is hard. So it happened. Were you relieved in a way when, when Lola didn't turn out to be like a long running character? Well, yeah, it's funny because I, I say this story and I don't ever want it to come off, um, disrespectful at all, but yes, I was, 
I was relieved. And when I was let go, I even, I even told the person that was letting me go, thank you, because I was miserable <laughs> in New York. It, 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 for me, it was such a culture shock and it was so different from what I wanted straight out of high school and, and, and all these little passionate dreams that I had. And I was just stuck in an apartment because of blizzards and things like that. And it was just so depressing. And I had a boyfriend that was, it was long distance. So it was just this, this teenage angst that I was living with. And, um, and I, and I cried of happiness. I was like, thank you so much because I want to get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> well, then how did you wind up on the West coast? Well, I had a decision to make. I said, I, you know, do I, do I go back to, um, Miami or do I go to LA, which actually was my original plan when I got out of high school. Um, and my mom said, well, no, no, let's go, let's go straight to to LA because that was our plan. And that's what we're going to do. And like everything in our life we do together, me, my mom, my sister, and we decided to, to try out LA. And in about, I would say six months was the first time that I heard of the um, days of our lives audition. And, um, my manager was like, come on. I said, no, I don't want to. I just got off of soap six months ago and I'm here. I'm ready. I'm ready for all the movie auditions that you can throw at me. And, um, and she said, well, to go into the audition doesn't mean you're going to book it. And I said, all right, fine. So I go and, um, I go to the callback and, um, and I met Marnie and I think that changed a lot. Things changed a lot when I met Marnie because, she, I don't know if you've had other people speak about her. She has this really special energy. Um, when you talk to her or when you, when you hear other people talk about her, she's just so captivating and she has this warmth about her. And this was before she was a mom. Now that she's a mom even more. Um, but before she was a mom, she just had this like mom like quality that would just hug you without even touching you. It was just so wonderful and warm for me. And I kind of softened up about the idea of being on a soap for, for her and just because of the experience, but I still was not with it. And actually, um, somebody else booked it. Gabby was played by a girl named Gabriella Rodriguez for a couple of months. And then, um, and then Marnie called me again and said, listen, we're, we're going to, we're going to be changing the storylines quite a bit. And she's going to be having kind of like a a really mature storyline and and we'd like you to come in and and take over the role. And I said, no, thank you so much. I love you. I appreciate you, but no, thank you. And everybody got really upset at me. It was a bad situation. My managers, my agents and Marnie, everybody was upset. (laughs) Yeah, it was bad. And then two weeks later, she calls me back and she says, listen, we kind of rearranged contracts. We're negotiating this, this, and this, and some things had changed. And I was like, okay, you're stupid to say no twice. So I said, yes. And now I've been there for nine years. <laughs> <laughs> nine years later, here we are. Nine um, years later, yes. And for anyone who doesn't know, we are talking about Marnie Saida, the casting director of the show. Um, so what do you remember about your early years as Gabby? You know, as it was funny because I, and I say this quite a lot, um, I thought I was going to be working so much. I was like, oh, hey, this is going to be great. I'm, I'm, I'm on a coast that I actually enjoy. Well, not really because I love Miami, but it was just I, California. I really enjoy the weather, the people. I was having a good time, but I really wasn't working as much as I thought I was going to be working. So it was kind of an interesting um, 
situation to be in because I felt like I was a working actress, but I maybe was working two episodes out of the month. If that sometimes maybe I was doing one episode a month and it was kind of like financially a difficult situation because I couldn't really audition a lot because I was on this show and I wasn't really working. So I didn't have a lot of money coming in. So at that point I even got a regular job at the mall Um, you know, so that was kind of like a, a a weird moment in my life personally. Did did anyone recognize you? Um, yeah, I had one or two people at BB kind of was like, they kind of were like, Oh, are you you on days of our lives? Also, (laughs) since I wasn't really airing that much, I was just kind of a very small character at that point. Um, California, demographically speaking, is not a place where we get that that many fans. So I wasn't, you know, I wasn't like getting approached here and there at at all. Not like now. Mm -hmm. Um, Not like right now when I'm airing so much. And even now in California, I still don't get recognized by a lot of people. It just doesn't seem like the people that watch television here watch our show. Um, Just that's the truth. Mm -hmm. Um, So as far as the character goes, it was also super weird in that in that perspective because I would be in one week out of the month or maybe you know twice two days out of the month. So I I wasn't really bonding with these characters or with these people the way that I thought I was going to because I wasn't really around a lot. And um and it felt like for my character that I was kind of like a little bit awkward. I was here and there, and for me, what felt like whiny and and. Um, you know, just like cryy all the time and very vulnerable and too much like a damsel in distress. And she had no backbone. And, you know, that, that that's what I felt Gabby um, was in her really young teenage years. And I think that life and adolescence and puberty really hardened her mm-hmm. and made her strong in mm-hmm. different ways. And she also was like a young mom, which obviously had, you know, a maturing effect on the character in some ways. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. What did you think when that story came about? Well, I thought it was awesome. See, that was the that was the particular storyline that I felt like I was brought in to to take on. This was my first thing that what I was called in for the storyline that is going to be you know maturing this character and then we need you to do this. And I said, okay, fine. This is my part that I'm going to come in. You know, with my own um, personality to Gabby, with my own ideas to Gabby, and and I thought it was very exciting. But like a lot of things I've learned in this industry, it can never be as big as it is in your mind because it's never going to be as big as <laughs> it is in your mind. I, you know, the expectations that I had that it was going to be this wonderful storyline ended up being, you know, a, a, probably a, a 10 episode arc. And, and when you put that into perspective, it's not a lot and it's not a lot enough to, to express everything that I wanted to express. But I couldn't say anything. You can't say anything. You you work with what you're given. You do the best you can and you move on to the next great storyline. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, now, we did eventually get a sense that Gabby was kind of a schemer. Um, you know, she did fake a stalker to get Chad's attention. So at yeah. that point, were you like, okay, they're doing something here with me? Yeah, I thought, I definitely thought when there was moments where you could see just just differences in in her personality than than what she was accustomed to showing was great. I thought it was exciting and exhilarating and yeah 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 anything you want throw at me. I got it. Let's do it. Whatever. Anything you want. And um 
And then I would see all these really great storylines happening all around me. And I'd be like, but she's still so boring, guys. Come on. (laughs) Come on. You know, like she's still not, you're giving me, you're only giving me little pieces. And, and, and for me, it wasn't enough. It was fun. Don't get me wrong, but it was never enough. And then I was able to, to work with Blake and I feel like he not only as just an, the character, but as an actor professionally, I learned to take risks as a young person. I saw him as somebody that was, you know, my age or close to my age and would, would speak so with such respect, but with such intensity and would make changes and would speak up for himself. And I would never do that. I would just say yes. And you know, shake my head. Yes. And yes. And yes. And so for me, as far as an actor, I I learned a lot of things that I wanted in my career, um, with him and with other actors, with A. Martinez and Alison Sweeney and all these people. So progressively I was able to, to grow a little bit out of that and even speak up for myself, for my character and say, Hey, listen, let's, let's get more of, of, of those little moments. Let's get more of those. That's interesting because, you know, uh, being new to any job and you were young, like you don't have role models for how to conduct yourself on a set to get what you want. (laughs) You know what I mean? Uh, interesting. So, uh, I think Gabby and Nick's relationship, which, you know, took, took a very dark turn was really pivotal (laughs) for, for Gabby as well. Like did that story take you by surprise? Um, it didn't take me by surprise. I was just very excited by it. I was just, you know, this is, this is my moment. This is exciting. This is, this is what I've been asking for. So don't mess it up, Camila. And, um, and it was just a very exciting time for me. I remember they were, they built that really big set where we had the river and, you know, for me, it just, it, there was a lot of what was talked around as pressure because there was a lot of money being spent on, on sets and on clothes and on stories and on moving things around but it was so fun that I never felt pressure. I always felt like it was just my time to shine and my moment, my extra moment to, where they're giving me extra time because I felt like they hadn't been. And I was just kind of like, you know, this little other side piece here in the, in the, in the group of 30 ensemble piece people. And so for me, it felt like this is awesome. I was excited. I was ready to go. I didn't think about it twice. Um, I was not surprised at all. I was ready and, and, and and super excited. And that was the story where they really put you with some other wonderfully great villainesses on the show, Alison Sweeney and Lauren Coslow. It was the three of you burying Nick alive as you (laughs) thought at the time or burying Nick at the time that you thought he was Mm -hmm. dead after the rock. Um, and, but then of course, Blake did return. So there was another chapter to that Gabby Nick story, which ended with Gabby killing him. So what were you thinking at that point? Did you think like, oh, this is really the end. She can't come back from this. Or were you just ready to see what came next? Well, at that point, um, I had made the personal decision to, um, to take a year off. Um, and I specifically, um, worded it like that. I, I went up to the producers and directors and I said, listen, I, I appreciate you guys. You've literally given me what I've wanted. You've given me the work that I've wanted. I'm exhausted. I'd like to take a year off. 
And, um, and that's what it felt like, you know, I'd been kicking and screaming that I wanted, that I needed a storyline and, and they gave me something that felt like to me was a hard storyline and a very heavy storyline at that. And I, I felt like I had worked myself kind of to, to just like nothing. And I needed the time, not only for my body, but creatively I needed time off and they were so wonderful and so giving. And they said to me, you know, you've been nothing but an asset to our show. And I, I can tell you this much. I'm a kind of like an OCD person. I've never shown up late to work in nine years. And I'm somebody that I've never been an issue for them. I've always been, like I said, a yes, a yes, a yes, a yes. And, um, so they said, you've never burned any bridges here. You know, this is always going to be your home and, you know, leave here knowing that you have a safe place to come back to. And that That's made great. me feel so, yeah, that made me feel so secure that I feel like that really gave me even extra love the last week or two that I was there, knowing that it was sad. I remember I was, I was driving in every day and I would be crying because I was going to miss, you know, not, not, not just the, the, the cast, but like the crew, these are basically people that were my uncles and father figures and, and just felt like family. And so, um, it was kind of like a tough decision, but I knew that I needed to do it. So they were on board with me creatively. They knew that, that, or they hoped that after this, I would come back. So that's why it kind of was left open-ended, um, with me going to jail and, you know, possibly not killing Gabby. Because, you know, at any moment they could rip your heart out and never give it back to you. <laughs> that has happened. But, uh, the, exactly, exactly. But yeah, so they, they they left it at that. And I remember it was it was really fun to to be able to do those scenes because I, I knew that that if I ever felt in danger or whatever the situation was, I could call my Days of Our Lives family. So how how did your return in 2015 come about? So funny enough during that year. And actually it was pretty much a whole year, like a whole 365 days almost. Um, during that whole year, I did two episodes, um, while she was in prison. So in the six months, six months after I left, I was asked to come in and do these two episodes. And I was super excited for that because I love Gabby. I've always expressed that I will always love Gabby. I, even if, I book whatever I book. I would love to continue doing um, and portraying Gabby because she's somebody that I've committed a lot of my time and a lot of my passion and a lot of my love to. Um, so I would I would love to portray her for as long as as that opportunity is available to me. So that was my idea on that. You know, keeping Gabby alive for me and and I would have been fine with somebody you know taking over the role. Not that it's my decision to be fine or not, but it would have been cool. It would have been awesome to have somebody, you know, keep that character alive because essentially that's what I'm hoping for. Mm -hmm. And so, right. And so at the end of the other six months, um, after I did those, those, um, two episodes, I had been working on snowfall and, um, snowfall was kind of an interesting project. And and so funny because a lot of projects have been like this in my life and you don't hear about this a lot with actors because you just hear about the, the final product, but there are so many pilots and so many, you know, uh, con you know, works of content that don't get out there because of, you know, exclusivity or issues with, you know, law and, and purchasing and things like that. So 
I've, I've shot a bunch of pilots that have never been released. I'm sure a lot of actors have shot pilots that have never been released. And that sucks because it's really frustrating. You spend your life basically going to job interviews and the finally the time that they give you this job and you perform to your optimum ability, it doesn't, you don't even see the final product. So that kind of sucks. And that was one of the circumstances with Snowfall. I had gone in, basically had been a four month audition process um, from the first time that I went in to, you know, the second time that I had gone in and the third time when I met John Singleton. And then from then on, it was just kind of like, boom, 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 shoot the pilot. And then to tell you, okay, well, we're going to do the show, but we're recasting the pilot and you're not in it. So that's hard. Yeah. So it's, 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 it was a huge blow and it was a really tough situation that kind of left me very available and very heartbroken. And, um, and I will tell you throughout the entire year, days of our lives, wasn't that they stopped knocking. They never stopped knocking. They always asked if I was around, if I wanted the opportunity, if I wanted to come back. So in that moment, when they asked, it was the time it was, you know, the, 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 the stars had aligned. I basically came off of this really terrible loss with, um, snowfall and, um, and I was ready to go back to some consistent work. Mm-hmm. Did you come in with maybe a different approach or a different attitude than you had like the first time you had walked into the show? A little bit. I mean, I had, I definitely had done a, a lot of growing, I think in that year, in that year, I also, it, I took a little bit of a turn on my social media. I kind of got a little sexier. I started posting more. I had my first photo shoot in a bikini. I had a lot of photo shoots back to back. You know, this was something that I was kind of just changing a little bit of my social media personality. And the people at Days of Our Lives also took that into consideration and even noticed that themselves. And that was um, influenced in the way that Gabby uh, was written when she came back from mm-hmm. coming back from prison. So, you know, there was a lot of things that, that there was a lot of things that were influencing just my return from prison. Um, I definitely had grown, of course, as a person, but the, the, the growth that Gabby had done in prison was far greater than, than, than my growth. So there needed to be a big change and there needed to be a different essence to Gabby. And there was, and we really saw it. Thanks. So um, Gabby really got fans worked up uh, when she came in between Chad and Abigail. Um, what was that like for you to play and to get that kind of like response from the audience? Well, you know, the response was interesting. It's always fun, especially with social media nowadays, because it's so easy for people to kind of access you in some in some off way. Um it, it was interesting and, and for me, very comical um, to see people say things like, if I see you in the street, I'm going to pull your hair or <laughs> you're such a mean girl and, you know, things like that. And, and it, it, it was a comedy to me. And I, I hope one day I, my boyfriend talks about it all the time and he's like, you should just sit and do those videos that celebrities do on I don't know that show, but oh, they uh, Jimmy just Kimmel. Read your, yeah. Yeah. Sweet you should. Tweets, yeah. Sweet tweets. <laughs> yeah. That'd be hilarious. <laughs> so well, maybe we'll do one of those. Um, but yeah, you know, it's, it's just for me, I, I really take it like a joke because there's always going to be people that are not going to be agreeing with what you do, whether it's Camila, whether it's an act, uh, a person, uh, a character, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. There's just people that are going to be opposing whatever you say, whatever you think, whatever you dream. That's just what's going to happen. 
And, um, and, and I, I laugh it off and I really, I, I let it just kind of slide off my back and then, and I don't, I don't let it bother me, but funny with, with the Gabby and Abby and Chad storyline, a lot of people would forget that Gabby, you know, had history with Chad before she was there first. Well, you know, even the Kate Manzi Abigail was there before her Abby was there. And, and, um, and it was just interesting how, how quickly the fans forget things. It's very convenient to their memory, (laughs) selective memory. Um, yes, it's very convenient. So, you know, for me, it was just kind of like, it's, it's, it's guys, it's a storyline. It's a show. You're going to go up and down. We're going to get back to this. They're going to be fine. Then they're going to be feuding again. Then they're going to be fine. (laughs) So, you know, it's for me, it's always been very rational and, uh, and yeah. Yeah. Probably served you well. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, Gabby has had a few pairings. You know, there was JJ, Eli. I mean, we're seeing Eli again. But really, it was the Stefan and Gabby relationship that completely took off. Yeah. Um, did that surprise you? Did it? Did you expect that reaction? I think, it, you know, for me, I, I was surprised only because I, I felt like I knew they were going to pair us together. That was not a surprise. The surprise was, was that I got along so well with Brandon because I have worked. I mean, listen, I've got, I get along very, very well with Blake. I get along very well with Casey and I get along very well with Lamone. I get along well with, with everybody that I've worked with, even with people that haven't been my, um, love interest Galen. And, and you can, you can tell, but, um, particularly with Brandon, he is somebody that I've never seen anybody not get along with him. I've never been in a room or a situation where somebody has had an unusual comment or felt strange or been not themselves around him. Mm -hmm. It's just interesting because he's a very easy guy to be around. And I know that a lot of people say that. It's so true. It's just easy. You just don't have to do anything. You just feel good. And I don't know what it is. It might be his superpower. But um, yeah, no, for real. It's true. But he just, you know, I have this ease around him. And maybe he does certain things that he knows that I enjoy. He's a very funny person. Um, and, and that even goes to to, to, to attest to what a great guy he is. He always tries to make people feel comfortable. But, um, for me, particularly, that was the biggest surprise that I was just like, whoa, I'm having so much fun. This is not like work or at, at all, or like uncomfortable or weird. Cause sometimes just not that it would be weird with personalities. Sometimes it's just weird when you have to have that closeness and the intimacy, it can be unusual and bizarre because, you're, this is not the person that you've chosen to be intimate with. You've been told to be intimate with this person. Mm -hmm. You know, after that relationship was so popular with the fans and obviously with your filming schedule, you had already, you know, pretty much wrapped it. I would think by the time he even started airing and that was probably the most emotional material you've gotten since you've been on the show, um, dealing with Stefan's death. And it was pretty phenomenal. Um, what was your, you know, were you excited to see those scenes for yourself? And what was your approach to them? Oh, well, thank you very much. Um, yeah, I was definitely excited to to see the scenes. I knew, I knew, though, they came with just 
it was a disappointment of the timing when it happened. It felt like it was very short and we didn't, it, it needed that storyline needed to be developed more. Um, but I felt in general that if, if it was already going to happen, um, I should, you know, knock these out of the park because they were really beautifully written scenes. Um, I think they were very real circumstances. I particularly love the scenes where she's in the chapel of the hospital and she's, you know, talking to God mm -hmm. and she's just having the questions that people that are in that extreme pain have. And it's just, for me, felt so real. And so, you know, I've had those moments. I've had those questions. I've had those things that I, I you know, that you regret saying sometimes. Um, so it was beautiful and I, and I, and I loved it. And, and um, of course, like I said, it came with this disappointment that I wouldn't be working with Brandon and the unknown of what was going to happen. Because at that point there was no possibility that he was going to come back. That was not anything that was talked about. That was just not going to happen. Mm -hmm. Well, it was, it was like definitely, I think one of the performances that we'll always remember from, you know, the year, like it was, it was, it was pretty stellar. Thank um, you. I'm submitting those for the Emmys. Oh, well, Makes sense. Those are pretty competitive, <laughs> ladies. Yeah. So, um, right around the same time, though, uh, fans were getting a little upset with Gabby because she made Lonnie Dumpy lay at the altar, or she, else she was gonna get on her app and zap Julie. So, what? What did you think of that twist and the fan reaction uh, to it? Well, yeah. Um, Again, fan reaction, hilarious. Oh my God. Just, I am having a field day still with the comments because it's just, you know, the things that people say are just hilarious. Um, I don't write these things. And, you know, I sometimes go on and on Twitter and I express, you know, hello, I'm an actor. I do what I'm told. I, I say what is written and still people blame me for her actions and, and, and what she does and what she doesn't do. And so for me, it's been hilarious. It's been, um, again, a sheer comedy. Um, but other than that, it's, it's, it's been super fun to play. Uh, I heard the other day, which I had heard at the beginning of the storyline about the, the real case where somebody stops a person's pacemaker, 50, you could st stop their pacemaker at 50 feet away with a, with a computer, with a phone, with anything, with a, an Apple, with a tablet. And so, you know, for me, when I first read that story, I was like, are you serious? And then I did some research and I was like, you're serious. This is true. This is real. Ron's onto something. <laughs> for real. And I was just, at that, that gave me so much fire to just press on with this. It, it, I would just, people would laugh at me on set and say, well, come on, you're doing this or you're killing somebody with a phone. I'm like, listen, Linda, you should read <laughs> about it because it happened. <laughs> so it would kind of like make me even sassier about it. I would be like, uh -uh, it happened, buddy. So you better do your research. Um, That's hilarious. Yeah. yeah, no, it's, it's true though. So it, it was really great to, to, to even, you know, work with that. I mean, amazing, of course, to work with, with, um, with Doug and, um, and Julie and Lonnie's character. I think they're, 
the dynamics with all the different characters that Gabby has been playing with has been wonderful. I, I especially loved the when she's so vicious towards everybody, but then she goes back to being so soft with Stefan and so calm and so sweet. You know, those were the moments that I was living for. And, um, and Sal's been great, you know, uh, you know, working with her and, and having these really intense, sometimes we've been having these very physical scenes where we've had stunts, you know, at her wedding and, you know, things that are coming up to, uh, <laughs> <laughs> stay tuned, but, uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. But it's been, it's been fun. It's been exciting. It's been motivating and inspiring. And, um, and when I go into work, there are, there are certain storylines where you go every day and you're just like, can they please end this? <laughs> I am in hell. You know, I, if I have to have one word of the storyline, I'm going to shoot myself. But then you get these storylines where you're just like, oh my God, it's going to end tomorrow, guys. And I'm not ready. I wanted to keep going, you know, and that was what it was for me. Mm-hmm. Now you've mentioned your presence on social media a few times. You really are unique in this community and that you actually do respond to rude tweeters. You threatened to block them. You took the Emmy process to task. You're very active. Um, you know, what's your thinking behind that? And do you ever regret anything you've come on and said? Um, no, I, I definitely don't regret. I definitely, if anybody thinks that I don't think about what I post, I definitely do. Um, I think about it probably a million times. I'll ask my friends, I'll ask my mom, I'll ask my family. Um, and a lot of the times they'll give me their opinion and I'll still have my convictions and still have, I just need to have an outside thought. I need to have a, a different opinion and, and I need to know how it's going to affect other people. And then I'll definitely move on or not, depending on what, you know, the, the information I get from my peers and my family. But I, for me, it's really important to use the, the tool that I have at hand. I don't have that many tools. I don't have that much money. Um, I wish that I could help, um, more people, more organizations. I wish I could help this life more for anybody and for anything. Um, but unfortunately I don't have the means for that. I have the means for what I can do and I do. And one of the things I do is, is, is I try to stay present on social media as far as you know, my, my anti-bullying and some people may not agree with the way that I do things, but I have been bullied before. It hasn't been something that has been aggressive in my life because the way that it has worked for me and every circumstance is completely different for the person getting bullied and the person that's bullying there can be, it can be very different for everybody. But for me, the way that it has worked is I has, have always taken the circumstance at hand head on. I have it. I have attacked it head on with respect because my mother has always told me to, to speak with respect, but to, to, to speak and to not remain quiet. And so for me, um, I've done that even as a, as a young child, I will continue to do that. I have been an advocate for, um, you know, my, my family's country, Cuba, I've done a lot of things. I don't like to, to get into politics, especially here in this country. It's very crazy, but I do, <laughs> I do, I do like to express my thoughts and concerns about situations that impact me. And one of those things is, you know, how it, what is impacting me every day. And that is people's comments. And a lot of the times people think, you know, what you are, what you and everybody already knows that behind a computer screen, they can get away with anything. And that is my 
point when I do things like my troll spotlight of the day. <laughs> and yes, yes. And some people may get really agitated and some people may think that I may be doing some bullying and that I may be, you know, committing a, a wrong with a wrong. And that's their perspective and their prerogative and their opinion and they're entitled to it. But for me, what it does for me is it is, is going to shine a light on that bad behavior. Because that bad behavior maybe has never been reprimanded. That bad behavior maybe has never been told to stop. And maybe they have. Maybe I'm sure they have by other people. But maybe they never have been reprimanded by somebody that may, they may think has authority or that may have a check mark, or that may have whatever they think may have. So for me, um, I do my part. I do what I can. And when I see a very vicious person, I'm going to call them out. I'm going to call them out. And it's shameful for an adult person to be needed to be called out by a 29-year-old person. <laughs> I mean, you're absolutely right. It's just that so many people don't do it. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, everybody has their, you know, we've had this conversation on set. And even the other day we were talking about it, me and Victoria Conifal, because she gets a lot of hate too. And I'm, I, I see it and I try to try to, you know, check that situation sometimes too, because I, I feel protective of her, but there are some specific cases that need to be called out. And that's where I'm at. <laughs> All right. Well, something that also gets a lot of commentary is Gabby's sick wardrobe. Um, oh, thank you. you really do get to wear the, the greatest, uh, most stylish clothes. So especially this week, in case you're not aware of it. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. She's in spaghetti straps in winter. In people winter. are up in arms yes. over it. Tell me how much input do you have in what uh, we see Gabby wearing on screen? Well, first of all, I have to say something about the spaghetti straps. And <laughs> I haven't made the comment, but I'm going to make the comment now, okay? Guys, they have to realize I own a fashion company. So this is what happens. We always wear or we're always planning for the clothes that is on the opposite season. So I'm just working on the stuff for next season and people are not getting that. But, Gabby you know, Chic, come on. It's Gabby Chic 24-7, which, you know, that's it. That's my justification. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but other than that, um, we have an amazing, amazing um, director of wardrobe. His name is Richard and he... He has a really good eye and he knows what would look good on people, not only as far as like how it would look good, but colors, themes, and styles. And that's very hard when you're working seven months to eight months ahead, again, in a completely different season than the, what they're actually selling out in the stores. So how do you maintain trendy and how do you stay up to date when you're seven months ahead and the clothes that you're supposed to be buying isn't even out in the, in the stores because it's not the right season. You do what you can and we try to be as innovative as possible. You know, I, I tell them the brands that I enjoy. I tell them the brands that I, that I'm looking at on social media or even trying on. And he goes out there and he'll go to the stores and he'll try new things and he'll bring me options. And, you know, we try to just work together as much as we can, but it's really just a collaborative effort of just, you know, the stuff that he pulls from, um, from different stories and, uh, and trying them on and, and, and playing around and seeing what looks good and what doesn't. 
And not for nothing, if anyone doesn't already follow you on Instagram, uh, your workouts are certainly inspirational and oh, your outfits you. on screen are really the fruits of your labor. I would say. <laughs> you. Well, you know, the camera adds 10 pounds, so I got to quote uh, Will Smith on this one. You got to stay ready so you don't got to get ready. <laughs> That's a good one. Um, now, you <laughs> also recently debuted a new hairdo. Tell us about cutting Ooh, off your yes. locks. And- Yes, I'm so excited, by the way, to mention that I've seen a couple of other people do it. And I am loving this craze of everybody chopping it off because, first of all, for me, it's something that I've always wanted to do. I actually wanted to go shorter, um, but my mom was like, okay, don't, it's not so extreme, Camila. It's already extreme already. So I was like, okay, that's fine. And then I spoke to Victoria Conifa about it, and we were just both like, okay, we're both going to do it. Let's do it. And, um, the timing of just being on this really long break kind of just made it all really exciting. And I was like, okay, I think it's time. And I did it. And it's just been wonderful. I love it. I love the maintenance. I love the way that it styles. I love the, the attention that I get and the compliments. I love it. So I recommend anybody that wants to chop off their hair, chop it, chop it, chop it. Well, it does look fantastic. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And it's a good start for a new year. Exactly. Thank you so much. So here we are in 2020. You've been posting a bit about your goals for the year. Um, What would you say you hope to accomplish as we begin a new chapter? Well, um, it's funny because I've been thinking about resolutions and things like that, but I think mainly just, just making sure that my, my body and my heart and my soul are in a good place. That's healthy for everybody. Um, That's healthy for me. And, um, and I think that that's just going to be my biggest thing this year is just maintaining my inner peace, my inner happiness, and just making sure that I'm surrounded by the things that I love this year. A lot of the times, especially for me, it gets so crazy. It gets so busy that I forget to, to do the things that I love or to be surrounded by the things that I love and the people that I love. So it just kind of like needs to come back to no, 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 no. You need to self-love. And that means being around the things you love and around, around the people that you love. And, um, and, and that's going to be one of my biggest focus as far as like a real like resolution. I think just for me every year, the hardest thing to maintain is being consistent with always drinking water, 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 water. And, um, I'm a huge water person. I'm always telling people to overdo it on the water. I try to overdo it on the water just because it's so good for not only your skin, but your hair, your body, everything, your brain. So for me, um, that's the biggest and hardest thing is staying consistent on the uh, consumption of water. Oh, well, that's a good one then. You, I feel like you could accomplish that one very easily. Uh, it's so hard. I never, I always set out to do it. And always by six months later, I'm not there anymore. Well, now you've put it out there on a podcast, so you have to hold yourself accountable for the Please world. do. Somebody hold me accountable. <laughs> a new decade. Got to start, Camila. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, well, it was so much fun to talk to you today. We thank you for joining us. and Thank you so much for having me. We certainly look forward to see what is next for Gabby. Indeed. Yes, I can't wait. And, um, you know, look out. I'm always working on side projects and things like that. So, yeah, I'll keep you guys posted on all social medias. Awesome. Please do. And I was going to say, and we look forward to seeing what's up with you as well. Thank you. Hope to talk soon. Have a great day. Have a great rest of your year. Ditto. Same to you, Camila. Bye. 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 Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you to Camila Banis for being our guest. If you like this podcast, please subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Be sure to pick up an issue on sale now and come back next week for another podcast. 
Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com.